Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Heather, we're back in Studio WIC today. Yes, we are. What's your little jingle? W-I-C. W-I-C. We need to add Ricky into this. We do somehow. I need and a little part. I did take the Ricky out of the um, middle segment oh, there. Oh, yes. I noticed that. That's because I was getting kind of annoyed with it. But we're yes. going to bring him back at some point. So just yes. little surprises here and there. You we never will, know you what's going to happen. So I want to start today with a shameless plug. Two weeks ago today, when this episode comes out, on October the 11th, my first published piece in an actual book Woo-hoo! came out. It is called The Life of an Unknown Author, and it's an anthology with 15 unknown authors that have come together, and we've published this book thanks to three wonderful ladies that form the Unknown Authors Club. So I'll put a link in the show notes if you would like to purchase it. It's merely just a small $10. $10, folks. $10. And it's really cool. And we talk in the book, each of our anthologies has to do with how we all aspire to be writers, but we're all very unknown. So that's very exciting. And then, you know, I've had a birthday recently. That's been very exciting. And I got some Amazon gift cards. We do love the Amazon gift cards. Mm -hmm. And with one of my gift cards, I used it to buy a new Bible for my birthday. It's beautiful. It's pink. The font is bigger. (laughs) So now that I'm getting older and need readers, I don't, you know, I can actually read without my readers. And it's not like I don't already have a kabillion Bibles around my house, but it's pink. It's pretty. It's transportable. It's a book. It's a Bible I could take to church easily. So I was very excited about it, but I kind of felt a little selfish because, I mean, I have so many Bibles Why would I spend money to get myself another Bible? Mm -hmm. So I just felt kind of selfish about that. And then just of all all the possessions that I have, I just have a lot of junk. Yeah. I mean, literally we're sitting in my closet and I have really more clothes than a person needs. So it hit me that things aren't really very important, especially around my birthday. It, it, It really hit me. Which sort of segues to our topic today that we're going to talk about is... You know, our viewpoint on possessions and life in general. So, Heather, why don't you talk to us about this topic, why we chose it. Recently, at our church, so Dr. T.J. Betts, who is an Old Testament professor at Southern Seminary here in Louisville, Kentucky, he preached a recent sermon on Ecclesiastes and was talking about the view of the writer and how possessions seemed meaningless to him, all the things that we amass in this life wisdom included how those things can seem meaningless and that actually coincided well with our current study in the book of job in our bible study our women's bible study on sunday mornings and so if you know job this is a man who's literally lost everything except he has he he kept his nagging wife and a few (laughs) friends who are very judgmental and the book of job talks about how he wrestled with those doubts about what God was doing and how he still maintained his faith in the Lord and didn't charge God with doing something wrong. And so we were really struck at how well that Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. sermon and Job and our current study, how that just tied together that, that particular day. And then soon after that, Hurricane Ian hits. And that's just a reminder 
that and then every other natural disaster that's happened recently mm -hmm. and over the last several years of how things can change in an instant. One day you're one going one direction and you've got all these plans and then the next day everything is completely turned on its head and you can lose, literally lose everything you have. And so we are talking about ideas for topics and this just seemed to come together to point to the fact that we as Christians, we live in this society that's very materialistic and it's really hard to navigate that when you're trying to, to be holy and to walk in holiness like we talked about last time. But mm -hmm. then not be swayed by all those worldly things that are pulling at you. And so today, our one single thought, thinking about all that, is don't be possessed by your possessions. Don't be possessed by your possessions. So today, our topic is going to talk about what we can learn about relating to our possessions from the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. What does it look like today? So we're going to start our discussion today and we're going to do this in somewhat of a chronological order when we talk about the Job and Ecclesiastes and then today that we're going to kind of walk through that chronologically. So if you're familiar with the story of Job in the Bible, which I'll get to a quick overview here shortly, is, you know, Job, if you're familiar with your Bible, if you, if you aren't, if you were to open a Bible in the middle of the Bible and let just flop it open, you would be in Psalms. And if you go just to the left of Psalms, the book right before Psalms is Job. Now, you're probably familiar with Psalms. We've, we've heard a lot of the different Psalms, like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, different things like that. And I will make a confession that when I was a kid, when I was younger, and I was learning the books of the Bible and what they meant, I often thought, boy, Job is such a sad story. Mm. Isn't it great that God put it right before all the beautiful Psalms? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little bit, that's not really the reason why it's before Psalms in our Bible. It's actually there because there there's a grouping of books that we call the poetry books, and that includes Job and Ecclesiastes, actually. But if we were to look at the Bible from a chronological viewpoint, and some of you all may have studied uh, and read the Bible through in a year, and you might have done it on a chronological plan, Job actually falls right after Genesis. So at the very beginning of the book, it's a dialogue takes place between God and Satan. And Satan wants to go after this man of integrity he was a wealthy man. He was a man that, that followed God. He had many, much wealth, a lot of farm animals. He had a huge family. He had sons, daughters, a wife. He was well known in the community as being very wealthy. And he also was a man of integrity and followed God. So Satan came to, to God and challenged God that Job was only following him because he was having a very good life. He was he was prosperous and wealthy. And so God allowed Job to, uh, he took the, the kind of the hedge of protection off of Job and told Satan that he could do anything he needed to do as long as he didn't touch Job's body, didn't hurt him. And what ended up happening in a matter of one day is that he lost all of his children. He lost his home and all of his livestock. And he was distraught over this. Well, Satan came back to God and again wanted to go after Job. And the Lord said to Satan that he was allowed to touch Job physically, but not to take his life. And Job ended up with boils and sores all over his body to the point that he would sit with shards of pottery and just scrape his boils. And along the way of this journey, his friends came along, three of his friends, 
Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar came along and started to really chastise him that, well, you must have really sinned for this to happen to you. And so a lot of the book of Job is really just the discourse that they they gave him and Job's response to that, that, no, I'm innocent. And although Job had a very strong faith, he definitely had a hard time and faltered throughout the story. But who can blame him when you've got three supposed friends feeding you this not very encouraging, uplifting words of wisdom? Well, the, the, the rest of the story, spoiler alert, at the end, God restored Job completely. And in fact, not only restored him, but he gave him um, more livestock, more children, and, and tenfold blessing above what he had. And I want to read Job 28, 28, because it um, kind of sums up a little bit of what I believe Job, how he relied on the Lord. He said, he said to mankind, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn from evil is understanding. So Job knew that wisdom, fearing the Lord, and that means really revering the Lord, was really the beginning of wisdom and was what he needed to do. Now, keep in mind that with Job, in the, in the chronological place that it falls in scripture, Job actually happened long before Christ, mm. long before the prophecies about Christ. So the perspective that Job had came from someone who really didn't even have, it was before Abraham, so really didn't even have the law, but it was the perspective of a man who knew the Lord and followed him many times based on just the creation around him and the Jewish tradition. And so we see how Job looked at his life when he really didn't have hope, but he did believe there was a, a life after this one and he mm-hmm. did believe in God. When I think about that, I think about how quickly we, our hope falters mm-hmm. and we, we have the revelation of Christ. We have Christ and, and the Holy Spirit to draw to, that has drawn us to Christ. And so it just makes that story very powerful. Now, there are many people who like to argue that that is not a true story, but there is evidence in scripture in the New Testament where Peter attests the fact that there, that Job was a real person. And I think there's another place in the New Testament where that happens. So, you know, this is an actual story that we can look at as an example of how do you respond when all of your, your possessions are taken away in your family. There is a verse in Job where he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I think that when we go through times of loss or tragedy, oftentimes as a believer, that's a great verse to go to. So we're going to look at Ecclesiastes next. So Heather, what does that teach us about that book? What does that book teach us about possessions? The book of Ecclesiastes itself, they, it, it's believed to be written to have been written by King Solomon, um, likely towards the end of his reign. And Ecclesiastes means the preacher, and it's a book of perspective. It shows how seeking happiness in worldly things ultimately leads to emptiness. Even if you're a very wise person, a very experienced person, seeking after worldly wisdom, seeking after worldly possessions... It's just going to leave you empty in the end. And so the preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's looking for meaning in these temporary human things, and it leaves him feeling empty. So in the end of the book, the preacher comes to accept that faith in God is the only way to find meaning 
that life is short and worthless without God, and therefore it's crucial to focus on the eternal God instead of temporary pleasure. And Dr. Bet's sermon a few weeks ago specifically was on chapter 116 through chapter 226, and then he went to 12, 13 through 14. In this passage, the wise man or the preacher looks around him at everything he's gathered, all his wealth. And this is where they're thinking, this is Solomon speaking specifically, that he's obtained all these things, all the, and he's got all of this wisdom more than anyone else in history. He's the wisest man who's ever lived, and he finds it all to be meaningless. In the end, it doesn't matter whether you're wise or shrewd or foolish. Everyone has the same end. Whether you're wealthy or poor, everyone's going to die in the end. Whether you have all this knowledge or you're an ignoramus, <laughs> in the end, we all die. And so he's looking at that and seeing nothing. Like, there's no, there's no hope for what this world can offer. And so the hope that he does find is in chapter 12, 13 through 14. And I'll just read that real quick. At the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, a preacher says... Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil, which I think ties into the passage you just read in Job. Mm-hmm. So Job twenty-eight twenty-eight, in talking about how fear of the Lord is where wisdom comes from. So that helps us come to the conclusion of how we should look at possessions today as Christians keeping those passages and others in scripture talking about how fleeting this life is and how everything we have is eventually going to burn up mm-hmm. <laughs> and how we should view the things that we've been blessed with, the things that God has allowed us to be stewards of. So Rose, looking at today, how do we view possessions in the world? You know, NPR did a study and they came out with a, a statistic that said that the American home has tripled in size in the last 50 years. And they tie that back to the fact of we just have more stuff. And so Mm -hmm. because we have more stuff, then the the average size of a home has increased. I mean, I think about it. You know, I lived in a very simple ranch, three-bedroom home growing up. Mm -hmm. We had a basement, which carried a lot of junk. But I think about people today who have tri-levels and Mm -hmm. these huge houses that are on a lot of land with other maybe buildings on the land, barns and sheds and stuff and things that'll hold even more possessions. My dad used to always say, you will never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He said, you know, this, what we, what we have here on earth is really temporary. And no matter how much you accumulate, you can't, you can't take it with you. And it, it really, really doesn't mean a lot here on earth. I mean, clearly we have to have basic necessities, clothes Mm -hmm. to wear, food to eat, that kind of thing. But all of the other ancillary things around us, are they really necessary? And You know, I can share from my own personal life, my perspective of possessions since I have gone through what I've gone through. When I was in rehab the last time, very last time of part of this journey, I was very blessed that my ladies class, our BFG, helped put stuff away, get rid of things so that flooring could be laid so that Mm -hmm. I could wheel around the house. And I've gone through some of that stuff with the help of others since I've been back, but most of it was put into my third bedroom or out into my sunroom to eventually go through. 
And I know when I was going through it, we would have a one bag for Goodwill, one bag for throwaway, and one bag if we wanted to give it to somebody. Hmm. And so very quickly, I was like, Goodwill, throwaway, give to whoever. Mm -hmm. And... In just a matter of seconds, I was just going through stuff that I really, it, the value had really diminished when I thought about all that I'd been through and the life that I was given. I didn't need it to survive. And I had so many wonderful gifts and things I got last Christmas, but I was so out of it. I didn't even know mm -hmm. what I was getting. And so not only do we have a lot of possessions, but I think how we use our money is important as well. A friend of mine used to be a barista at a Starbucks. And she would tell me that very, very often there were many customers who would come through the, the, the drive-thru three times a day. Hmm. So let's just do the math on that. Like you're <laughs> going to spend at least $5 if you're getting, and they weren't getting like us just a plain coffee with, you know, espresso with a splash yeah. of cream. They were getting, you know, some fancy drinks. So chalk up five to six dollars. So they're spending twenty to twenty five dollars a day mm -hmm. just on coffee. So I think as a world, I don't think we just just focus on possessions as a problem, but I think our use of money is also an issue. So Heather, what are what are some practical ways that we can control our need for possessions in our life? Well I think keeping things in perspective like you were saying, especially when you go through a tragedy mm -hmm. or a difficult health issue or something like that, like you've been through, or if you've lost things, if you've lost possessions mm -hmm. and you're coming out with just your family, like in a natural, natural disaster, it helps you put things in proper perspective. But if you're not struggling, it's, it's easy to just kind of coast and be attracted by shiny things. And, you know, whenever I go into a store, I have to depending on what store it is, like if it's Target, you have to go, go to what you're, have tunnel vision and go for what you're going for and then get in and get out or you're going to come out with $100 more worth of stuff. Do you think online shopping has helped at all with that? I think is it's it... made it worse for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so easy, especially when you have a smartphone, if you've got an app on your, your mm -hmm. phone, it's easy to just mindlessly scroll through things and then, oh, that looks interesting and then mm -hmm. add it to my cart. If you don't have the money to spend, that some sometimes that does help because right unless you're going into debt into debt for something, but you know, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money, you can't spend it. But if you have money to spend, or if you're just mismanaging your money, it's real easy to just mindlessly buy things. And uh, I know Rose, you and I have started <laughs> recently. We're talking. Well, we need to work on our spending habits and not just. And I don't think neither one of us are extravagant spenders. I don't think we're as much of the spur of the moment purchasers, mm -hmm. but I think when we see something, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because yeah. this is what I do. If I find something mindlessly scrolling or whatever, then I'll research it and then I'll think in my mind, do I need this or do I want this? What's the purpose in this? And then if I felt like yeah. I needed it, I'd buy it. So yeah. that obsessiveness, I think, added adds to it some. Yeah. So you and I have started something in the last few weeks, actually, mm -hmm. recalling purchase history. And mm -hmm. so we... The OPH, people. <laughs> the OPH. So I'll, if I buy something, so I said, Rose, I need you to help me not to randomly mm -hmm. buy things. So I send you a text. If I buy something, I have to send you a text with purchase history, colon, and then I tell you what I bought. 
So I will confess. So the other day I went to Kohl's because I had a coupon. I was going to buy socks, just socks. (laughs) So I go in, (laughs) I go in and I come out with three long sleeve exercise shirts and no socks. And so, and she sent me that. She confessed I, that. I said, it said purchase history. <laughs> I went into Kohl's for socks and I came out with no socks and three shirts. And then, of course, I responded that I had bought a sweater. And then I said, I also, well, I don't drive right now, can't drive. So while Jaylen, our pastor's wife, was taking me to rehab, I needed gas. So, of course, I had my card. We filled it up. And I told her, I also bought gas today. And Heather goes, Well, that's a necessity, not something yeah. frivolous. I said, yeah, but it costs more than the sweater costs. <laughs> I felt like I had to report on that. So yeah. it's definitely helped, I think, to know that if we do buy something, I don't want to say we have to justify it to each other, but we're holding each other accountable. So we have to tell each other. Yeah. And my, my point with that is just like, I don't want to be wasting money and I don't want to be a bad steward of what God's given me. So I want to make sure that what I buy is purposeful and it's okay to buy fun things, I Mm -hmm. think, but you have to be wise with your spending. And I think having someone, having a friend or a family member who can hold you accountable on those kind of things does help you with spending and money management and that kind of thing, but also helps you kind of keep in check the gravitating towards possessions fulfilling you and like, oh, I've got to get the next best thing. Dr. Betts in his sermon talked about Tom Brady in his quest for the Super Bowl ring. And he's he was asked, what is your favorite ring? And he said, the next one. Mm. So he's always looking for the next thing to come along that's going to fulfill that part of him that is empty. And so I think really the best way to control our need for possessions is to have a biblical a right understanding and realizing that this is just stuff. It's just their objects. They've add no eternal value to you. And within an instant, they can be taken away. And if you, if your whole life is on possessions and the things you obtain with your money or status or anything like that, then you're going to be left disappointed. You're going to be left empty and you're going to be wanting more and more. Mm-hmm. And if you're not good with your money, then you're going to end up with nothing you're gonna end up broke and so it, it does take a lot of discipline and having good people around you to help you hold you accountable and that that's that's humbling to mm-hmm. ask someone to help you with your finances and to help you with controlling your spending habits and stuff the other end of that i really appreciated though i think we have to be very careful that we don't make our possessions an idol but then also realizing that it is okay to buy things if it's within your budget and it's something that delights you. But one thing I did like in Dr. Betts' sermon is that he he talked about how he likes to collect things from the Civil War era. And it's a good reminder that there it needs to be balanced in terms of not overspending, not hanging on to possessions, but it's okay to enjoy the good things in life that that may seem kind of silly or frivolous to people well i think there you have to have a balance we can't be obsessive on either end Mm -hmm. so if you collect something like dr betts does with a civil war Mm -hmm. memorabilia Mm -hmm. then that's great but you can't be in such a i would say he would he would not be someone who is so obsessed with it yeah that he's gonna sell his car to go get something that's maybe out of his reach yeah but it on the other end you 
you don't want to be so obsessive that you are so minimalist that you just pinch at everything when you don't really need to do that. You know, if, if you've mm -hmm. got a budget and you know you've got money that you can spend on that, mm -hmm. then there's nothing, like you said, there's nothing sinful about that. Yeah, and then feeling guilty for enjoying, mm -hmm. for having pleasure in things. Because yeah. it's not, having pleasure in things is not necessarily wrong. It's only, it's only wrong if that becomes the only source of pleasure and that is your, your lasting source of pleasure, thinking that that's going to give you lasting happiness, mm -hmm. knowing this isn't going to give you lasting happiness. You're going to end up with nothing in the end, but temporarily those little things bring us joy. If a sweater makes you happy <laughs> and you've got the money for it and you feel good wearing it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So thinking about possessions and how easily they can be lost. We've, we've have friends that have recently lost a lot through hurricane Ian and Rose, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we have uh, former members of Ninth and O, our church, which we'll link in the show notes, as we do. Mm -hmm. Barry and Jessica Joslin, he was our worship pastor for a period of time. And I served side-by-side -side with Jessica in women's ministry. And they have four kids, Haddon, Carson, Elizabeth, and Mary. And about a year ago, they moved to Sanibel Island Florida to serve at a Sanibel Community Church there, which was a big move for them because uh, Barry was a professor at Boyce and Southern Seminary here in Louisville, and he loved it. Uh, but this is an opportunity to kind of combine all the things that he loved teaching because they were going to do a lot of internships with recent seminary graduates at their church and then also help with worship ministry there and, and be their worship pastor. So he got to have the best of both worlds. Well, of course, as we all know, Hurricane Ian hit Sanibel Island pretty terribly. They're all doing fine. As far as I know, no one from the church has has passed because of this. They've been able to contact and make connection with everyone in the church. And this, we're recording this about a week or so after the hurricane hit. Mm -hmm. So there's probably been more development since then. But Barry and a friend, Brad Hughes, went on a boat. And we know Brad from, he used to be here at Louisville at seminary. They were able to go and try to retrieve as much as they could. And he said the smell was a, was something he would never forget. It was a mix of the sand, silt, raw sewage, all mixed together. And it was horrible. Their house, they knew had flooded on the base, the first floor. They weren't sure about the rest. But they did have roof damage. A tree fell on top of the house. You know, they basically were trying to retrieve anything they could close to keep them from mildewing and molding. Also, I mean, just things that you don't even think about. Wedding pictures. You know, you can replace clothes, but you can't replace things like a wedding picture. So their their faith through all this has been remarkable. Barry, uh, first, when this first happened, quoted Job and said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jessica had said she knows that God is holding them fast. And you can just tell that it's overwhelming to them. And this is difficult mm -hmm. for them, as you can even imagine. But their perspective on this is definitely an example, a testimony to what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. 
is how do you move on when basically all you have is about three days worth of clothing uh, they brought three days worth of clothing because they didn't expect that they wouldn't be able to go back three days mm-hmm. later but here they are so i'm going to put a link in the show notes if if you're looking for a way to help people who've been affected by hurricane ian we have a gofundme that we started for the joslins to help them they uh, their house was owned by the church but they just had renter's insurance so all this that's going to have to be replaced will take a lot of time but i do know that the church has been opened up what's remaining of the church the church is pretty much destroyed as well except for the actual sanctuary because mm-hmm. it was on a upper floor but some disaster relief uh, folks are going to be using it state of florida emergency crews are going to be using the church as kind of their home base mm-hmm. so it really does give us a perspective when you hear about you know and, and the jaws are just one story i'm certain every family in that church every family on sanibel island And other families in Florida that were hit by the hurricane can share similar stories. And so it really does make the perspective of what it means. What what do we grab onto? What do we hold onto if we lose everything? Mm -hmm. We can say that we read the Bible and we believe what it says. But what happens when we are faced with a situation like Hurricane Ian where we've basically people have lost everything? So... We think about that, Heather. How can we get a right perspective on possessions today? As we've talked about Job, as we've talked about Ecclesiastes and Solomon and his writings, how do we get a right perspective? How does all of that help us to face those times where we may encounter loss in our lives? It does take seeking the wisdom of God and spending time in the Word and not to, to throw out a Sunday school answer, but really knowing what the the Bible has to say about the temporary nature of this life and the possessions we have and how that is not where our hope lies in the future. And I think when we keep that in perspective, and I will admit it's hard to do that, especially when you just get sucked up in the everyday of everyday life and trying to provide for your family or whatever it is. But knowing that God has given you everything you need at the right time and that he'll continue to do that and that everything you've given is just a gift from him and that we should be good stewards of that and how, how you do that is written out in his word throughout scripture and then remembering just from examples in life so remembering other people that are struggling who have less than you or people who have lost their homes for whatever reason that will help you to keep the right perspective on those kind of things. So we'll wrap it up by reiterating our one single thought, Rose, which is don't be possessed by your possessions. That's right. Don't let those possessions get in your head. All right. Now we're moving on to our one random thought for the day. So my one random thought today is we have failed Marie Kondo. (laughs) You know who Marie Kondo is? Yes. So she wrote the book, for those that may not know, Marie Kondo wrote a book about being more of a minimalist, getting rid of things. How do you get rid of things? How do you get rid of possessions? And she would say, go through your house, pick up a possession and say, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't, you're supposed to get rid of it. Do you know her methods are based in Shintoism? Really? Mm -hmm. Well, that's one reason why it's probably good we Mm -hmm. failed Marie Kondo. (laughs) I keep wanting to say Marie Callender, but that's the lady who makes frozen (laughs) food. (laughs) Yeah, she applies feelings to objects, Mm -hmm. which is an animistic characteristic of 
the Shinto religion. Is that bad because I named objects? No. Okay. I don't, I don't think I don't think you're practicing Shintoism. Okay, good. That's good to know. <laughs> no. So one random thought we failed Marie Kondo, and the reason why is the L.A. Times did a report and said that the average American home has three hundred thousand items. That makes me ill. Me too. Because I want to go sell everything. I, <laughs> well, it is a little known fact that Heather does contemplate selling everything and taking Ricky on the road and just <laughs> calling it a day. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I don't even know how many pieces of clothing are in here, but, I mean, there's probably a good hundred, I would guess. Mm. I mean, just every little thing that we have, I know I probably have 300,000 because I just have too much junk, but we've done a poor job at sparking joy to get rid of things (laughs) because the average American home has 300,000 items. Is that... An item as in, like, so if you have a pack of crayons, does that count as one item? Or does Probably that count not. as 24 I'm guessing it. I think the pack counts as one item. Okay. I would say that they wouldn't get that. Like, if you had a, a box of paper clips, I don't think it would mean that if there's 100 paper clips, that that's 100 items. I just mm. think it's one item. So okay. Interesting. But. And sickening. It is kind of sickening. It is true. It's it's true. We it's I've actually did some research, and it's a lot of other news sources cited that as a as a real statistic. But I think that's really sad, and probably why our homes have to be so much bigger because we mm-hmm. have a lot of junk. Yep. So, what's your one Ricky thought today, Heather? Well, this isn't actually the thought I plan to share, but I will share the other one too. So I don't really have a way to sum this up, but Ricky's favorite possession. So I buy him these toys. Mm-hmm. You know, cat toys for mm-hmm. him to play with, which he plays with. His favorite thing in the world is a big wadded up piece of craft paper. And that comes like in just, like packing boxes and stuff. Like a kid with a box. He loves it. And he it's bigger than he is. Like, I, I got a package today. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a package and there's a big piece of paper in there for padding. Yeah, padding. Mm-hmm. And Ricky's just kind of looking at me, and I watered it up, and I said, "Hey, here's your, <laughs> here's your paper thing. Is probably about the size of a soccer ball, which is bigger than he is." And I threw it, and he went crazy and went after it and started chasing it down the hallway and then sliding on it. So he likes to unravel the paper and then slide around the floor. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, pretty that's pretty funny. impressive. He can do that. Yeah, like, he surfs on paper. He's weird. I mean, it's just like toddlers. You give them a present, and they open up mm-hmm. the present, and the toys inside, and they throw the toys yeah, aside and play with the box. That's pretty much how he is. He also likes to kick like a bottle cap, like a diet, like a diet coke cap on uh-huh. the floor in the kitchen. He likes to kick it around like a hockey puck. Wow! And then he gets his own little game going. Yeah, he'll shoot it underneath the refrigerator or the stove, and it and gets then stuck he can't under get there. It, yeah, it's kind of like air hockey. So Ricky, you know, let me, as an only child, let me say, as an only cat, he has learned how to entertain himself. <laughs> That's how we roll as only yes. children. <laughs> well, my, my planned thought, the one thought I had actually planned to say today was don't freak out. It's just a collar. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this kind of does tie into the possessions thing because I've had to buy him a few different collars to figure out what will work for him because I tried a really cheap one and he was able to take that off. So I got one that was better made and he was, you know, it seemed okay. It was leather. It looked like it felt better on him. Like he didn't have any issues with it. Well, I stepped away for a second. I put the, the leather collar around his neck and it's one of those 
they make cat collars with a snap kind of like on a backpack where they break away so like if the cat is outside especially ricky's not planning to go outside but if <laughs> if the cat is outside he gets hung on something the, the collar will just pop off and so the cat's not going to strangle himself well i stepped away for a second ricky had the collar on and he started licking at it because i guess it irritated his neck so he was kind of looking at his neck and stuff and then his jaw got caught underneath the collar, which I don't know if anyone has a cat. I think this happens. This is a common occurrence. If your collar is too loose on the cat, if it's, if it's too big, the cat can get their mouth caught on it. Well, anyway, the cat was freaking out. Poor Ricky. He was having a really hard time with it and rolling around on the floor. And he actually hissed at me, which he's never mm. done before. And it was just, Poor it was, it was a scary thing. I took it off. I mean, it's very dangerous because the cat can probably, I don't know if he can choke on that, but, or it hurt his, hurt. yeah, it hurts. About it. <laughs> but yeah, don't freak out. It's just a collar. It's just a We're collar. We're going to get you a new one. I had to get him another one. So I buy him a hundred collars, <laughs> add to my 30,000 things in my house. 300,000 things in my house with all these cat collars that I'm buying, but he needs a collar in case he gets out. Right. Especially when I have people watching him when I'm out of town or something. Right. He can have an ID. He is microchipped, but. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Poor Ricky. We're getting there, but he's just going to keep playing with his big wad of paper and That's be happy. right. Whew. Much better than getting choked on a collar. Mm -hmm. All right. What is our one single question for today, Rose? So today's one single question is, what is a sentimental possession you own? So Heather, what is a sentimental possession that you own? Probably one of my most cherished possessions is I, I played clarinet in high school and college and in adulthood, into adulthood. And so my, my most treasured possession is probably my clarinet that I got in ninth grade, which is a concert buffet clarinet. And it's, it's very special to me and I want to keep it till I die, even though I'm not really playing it right now. <laughs> um, her name is Buffy cause she's a buffet. So oh, nice. I did name, I name objects too, Rose. Oh, so I'm that's not, good we're to not know. Marie, Marie Kondoing. That's true. Her possessions. That's true. That's good. But that's a great name. Yeah. Buffy the buffet clarinet. Mm -hmm. She, um, she's been with me for many years and very special to me. Probably more sentimental. I've got a lot of family photos that, when my grandparents passed away, I was able to, to take some of those photos that they had duplicates of and stuff. So I do have an album, my grandparents' wedding album. So it's pretty neat. Rose, what about you? So I guess it's like, like you, it's hard to pick one. So I think one treasure possession would be, I have a necklace that is, it's a gold chain and it has my dad's wedding band on it. Mm -hmm. So it's the wedding band that, of course, he had with my mom. When he passed away, some of my friends had asked what they could do for me. And I said, you know what I really would love is a nice gold chain to put my dad's wedding ring on so I could wear it and like having him with me. And so that's a cherished possession. And then my mom was so good when she would give me books, she would always write a note in it or something in the front or whatever. But there was a probably a year or two before she passed away, maybe a little longer than that, she had given me a collection, a book at Christmas. It was a collection of family circus mm -hmm. cartoons, which I love, still do. And throughout the book, it was called Count Your Blessings. So they were all kind of spiritual family mm -hmm. circus cartoons. 
So throughout the book, she would write notes like of memories from me when I was a kid Mm -hmm. that somehow related to that cartoon. She didn't do it to everyone, but she did it throughout the book. And then there was a picture of Dolly telling Jeffy that heaven is going to feel like a great big hug. Mm -hmm. And my mom wrote in there that when I got to heaven, she would be there waiting to give me a great big hug. So that's really sweet. And I'll be honest at this very moment, I don't know where it is because of the (laughs) everything getting packed and put in different places because I used to keep it on the table that's next to my recliner in my bedroom. So that literally if something happened, I could grab it very easily. It was very handy, but I can't, I have no idea where it is right now. I'll have to figure that out before I have a mm-hmm. tragedy. <laughs> but that those are just a couple of things. Pictures as well, just of my parents, since they're both gone, I, I would probably say that I have pictures of them on my wall in my bedroom that are mm-hmm. sweet and mm-hmm. sentimental. So that just reiterates that it's possessions while they are not the be all end all and that we should make idols out of them. It's okay to have some, especially some that, some that mean something Mm -hmm. um, that you cherish and that you want to keep with you. And it doesn't matter if no one else sees the same value in it. If you do. (laughs) And then it's worth something. It's worth something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. And in two weeks, we will come back with our next episode topic to be announced. (laughs) That's right. It's a little teaser. It's it's why you all should subscribe and get the notifications. That way you'll never miss an episode and you can be in suspense until it comes out. All right, everybody. We'll see you back on November 8th. And until next time, don't follow your heart. Follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 